This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello and welcome back. This guest is awesome. Her name is Tegan Martin. You might know her from Miss Universe Australia, I'm a Celeb Get Me Out of Here, oh, Celebrity Apprentice. On top of that, she is absolutely stunning, massively smart. In fact, she's quite a little hustler. She works super hard. But I think my favourite thing about her is that she shines from the inside out. So I really hope that you enjoy this little ray of sunshine, Tegan Martin. You're going to have to, like, cut it. Like, that's how I'm going to like. <laughs> oh, you're amazing. Okay, so I'm so pumped to have... Well, not really. I feel like you're having me because I'm in your apartment. <laughs> but this is the beautiful Tegan Martin. And I can say she's very, very beautiful because I'm sitting opposite her oh, right now. It's good light in here. You, It is actually beautiful <laughs> light in here, but it has nothing to do with your beauty. You are a 10 out of 10. Thanks, lol. Uh, you are, although we were just talking, actually we've just been kind of like gas bagging no, for the last half of minutes. the gold has just been said. <laughs> so, no, joking. There's plenty more where that com- comes from. I'm so excited to hear about your story. I I guess I've known you as like the ha- – so we see each other at events every yes, now and then yeah. and you're always happy and smiling and I am, aren't I? shiny big heart, you know. That, that's kind of my impression of you. And then also you've got the Miss Universe stuff and then I always loved watching you on Celeb Apprentice. Oh, so you I was, watched that? Yes. You never told me that, have you? Well, because I was really close with Soph when Soph oh, was on it. So you guys were on yes, the same yes. – you were on the same kind of one. Wow. So I was 22 then. Did you know that? I, was I did the, not. I y- the youngest by 10 years. So to actually be able to get through the challenges and not just look like a total – like noob, like I'm, noob. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just, I just was like, thank God I made it through there. Like moving on now, like yeah. <gasps> so that was yeah. We'll go into that, but there's just so many things I've done well before I probably should have. No, but I'm one of those good. kind of people that just says yes to everything. No, I I I actually love that, and I I think I do want to start with the Miss Universe stuff yeah, because of course. I started by kind of like going down the rabbit hole and yeah. I've seen, I've watched YouTube vids of it all. <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, she's really done her research, guys. And, and you were kind of like branded and marketed as like the beach girl from Newcastle. Yes, yep. You know, ha- happy go lucky. No, happy go lucky, lucky, like super Aussie, you know, like all that yep. kind of. Yeah, the character. It's very much a character. But it was, it's so likable. But when I, we were texting yesterday and you were like, you know, I came second two years before. Did you not know that? I didn't. I was looking at all the headlines of like you loving life. Yeah, yeah so okay. t- take me through all right. that. Let's go back to, um, well, I was about 13 when I got my first job because I couldn't, um, my parents couldn't really afford to or they didn't want to use their last dollars on me going ice skating on a Friday night. So I decided I was going to go and get a job. So I picked up a job at the uh, local hairdressing salon just down the road from my house. Um, 
It's a lot more to that story. Walked in with a white miniskirt, giant hoops and thick eyeliner down to my chin and said, can I have a job? And they laughed in my face. <laughs> but eventually I got the job folding towels and making coffees. And that was sort of the start of where I started learning my personal skills, mm-hmm. how to communicate with people from all walks of life. Major, major period of my life of growth. Um, and I worked there for years. I finished year 10 and um, started my apprenticeship the day after I finished wow. year 10. Yeah. I was really, really stuck between going on to uni because I was the only one out of my 10 girlfriends that pulled out and it was really hard for me. But I'd been there for so many years and I'd learned so much and I wanted to get the, the piece of paper. Um and I, yeah, took that on. And then when I was about, I think I was about 18 when the girls at my work coerced me into doing Miss Universe. Wow. They entered me in it and they were kind of like, you're doing Miss Universe Australia. And I was like, what? And I was doing, <laughs> I remember doing my weekly blow dry client's hair and she was a school teacher. And I started picking her brain because I knew that we had these questions to answer and we had all these interviews. And oh, of course. I just never felt smart enough. I never felt like I was brainy enough to do this because I know it's a, a beauty pageant, but there is oh, so but, much more to it. Yeah, but there's, isn't there questions about like politics, politics and opinions on the world? controversial issues, yeah. what's happening in the world, who you are, and I mean not just like what's your favourite sport, I mean like really deep stuff like yeah, you have to system, wear so. your heart on your sleeve and know like you have to kind of dissect yourself as a person and be able to sell yourself because if you can't sell yourself the girl next to you will will win yes um so yeah I, I entered I think I had some I think it was like a salvo's dress or something I can't remember it was like I was showing up flying by the seat of my pants no idea what I was doing we had horse tissue massage therapists doctors lawyers like I felt really I didn't even know horse tissue. I know. I've never forgotten it. It scarred me. I'm like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a horse tissue massage therapist. (laughs) And she's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a hairdresser. No. (laughs) No, and I should never have felt that way because, you know, the success I have to this day is down to those years hairdressing and people always think it's, oh, you've learned so much at Miss Universe and on Celeb Apprentice. Mm. I'm like, honestly, I learned more in that salon cutting a 90-year-old man's hair, then doing a toddler, then doing a 30-year-old woman and just having to be able to, you know, talk to anyone. Well, you were kind of studying human behaviour. Absolutely. And you're, you're a counsellor when you're a hairdresser. You know, oh, people come yeah. in and say, my dad died yesterday and I'm like, okay, so do you want to talk about that? Yeah, you're holding space. You are, very much so. So anyway, the girls entered me in it, flying by the seat of my pants and – I really put my all into everything. So I was, you know, going and seeing um, a personal trainer. I was going and working with a lady that is the president of Toastmasters in Newcastle, which is a public speaking school, Mm -hmm. an international public speaking school. Yeah, so that was really beneficial to me. I started just kind of trying to learn about everything. And they said to me, look, you're going to pick out a question of the fishbowl and it's going to be a contentious issue. It could be about anything in the world. So I'm like... Are you petrified? I had pages, like as in file cabinets of information about different things, medicinal marijuana, global warming, you know, think questions about myself. Like it just was full of information. And I don't think many girls went to this much effort, but I've always been a bit crazy when it comes to over-preparing. We're a bit OCD. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) Everyone's like, I showed up with all these books of papers and everyone's like, what are they? I'm like, Oh, aren't prep. Like, don't you need to prep for the questions? And they're like, oh, no, we went to uni. We actually know about this. Oh, uh, no, I think you're right. I think it was your superpower. It was, yeah, it's always been my thing is over-preparing. 
um, I think that's a good trait to have. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's from a place of fear or a place of just like wanting to do well, but yeah, I, I, I'm overprepared for everything. Um, anyway, so did that, came second. The fact that I came second, you know, in the position that I was in, I was like, maybe this is something I could actually win if I, you know, yeah, spent totally. some more time on it. So I knew that I couldn't compete with these girls that had these big stories and they were lawyers and doctors and whatnot and they they really do want someone who's academic that can get up and, you know, represent the organisation in a way that they'll never put their foot wrong or say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I need some more life experience. I need to do something crazy because I don't really have a story to tell the interviewers when I come into the room. And I was like, all right, I'm going to move to Paris on my own. Ah, yes, I did find this out about you. (laughs) So I moved to Paris on my own, packed up my three big suitcases, happened to pick up um, an agency off the back of coming second mm-hmm. and moved to Paris, immersed myself in the culture, learned the language, spent like four months there <clears throat> and then I travelled Europe after that. So that was, So yeah. you were modelling over there? Yeah, I was modelling but oh. I wasn't really doing that much work to be honest. It was more sure. of a life experience. So good though. Yeah. And you're on your own, another language. Yeah, yeah. Throw was it yourself scary? In the deep end. It was terrifying. Yeah. I showed up on the first day and I got to my apartment that my agency had set me up with at 12pm at night and I couldn't get into the door because they have these big wooden doors mm-hmm. and there's they've got codes. I didn't realise I needed a code. So it's 12 o'clock at night, no one's answering their phone, I'm stuck in the middle oh, of the street, no. no one wants to speak English to me that's walking past. Eventually I got in like four hours later and I walked up to my apartment and I knocked on the door and this little old French lady with a cigarette in her hand, like the, the, this, she opened the door and the whole, like a waft of smoke came out of this baby oh. apartment. I'm allergic to cigarette smoke. Like, I can't stop sneezing. Oh, no. So I walk in, there's this little old French lady sitting in this tiny room. The shower was literally a curtain that you pulled across, planked in, and then pulled the curtain across. She had me in her bed and she was sleeping on the lounge and there was just a no. curtain between us. It was just a lot to take in. I remember sitting on the end of my bed, pulling the curtain across and crying for like three days. Yeah. Being like, what have I done? Yeah. yeah. Wow. But it ended up being the best experience. Did you end life. up making friends with the lady? No, I left. Yeah. yeah I was going to yeah. say, I could not. <laughs> she didn't speak any English. Yeah. Oh my God. So did you find so your own place? Like, just traumatized because I was like, she doesn't speak English. She smokes. She's yeah. got a cat. I'm allergic to all these. Yeah, like, so am I. So I'm so allergic so. to cats. I'm allergic to cigarette smoke. Like this isn't going to work. Did, so did you find a new place? <laughs> I did. I spoke to my agency and they were very apologetic and they moved me into a model house with a bunch of girls right. who I became really close to. Um, the rest of the story is like a dream come true. Like I just was dating a French boy called Cedric and I was ah. going and having you know picnics with baguettes and cheese and wine <laughs> under the Eiffel Tower every day. I, I ended up living like about five minutes from the Eiffel Tower, but like literally 500 metres from the Arc de Triomphe. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so it was a very French story after that. And I do feel like when I came back, I was like, you know what, I'm ready now. Like I've got – I feel like I've got a story and I feel like I've got so much more to say. Um, And so I did it again. Yeah. And I – this time around I was – you've never met a girl more prepared for anything. Like I was going and seeing – uh, media training people, okay, like yeah. trainers, like a nutritionist. Like I just had this team around me because I'd come second before. People were stepping out wanting to help me. Yeah. I had, you know, this amazing designer want to design me this gown for free. Like oh, it wow. was it was a lot. Like I was – I just thought I had it in the bag. Yeah. And because it's it's not like you just walk out once. Like it's quite a process, isn't no, it? No, no. It's like – There's oh, a bikini Six section. to nine months of like – so you have to go – 
to your Newcastle region area, then yeah. you're going to go to your state final. And, you, and so you're preparing for all these things wow. and you've got to have gowns and different outfits and different, you know, things for media. Like you're doing newspaper, like they, they're shooting you in the media from the stage where you make it through to the state finals. Oh, wow. It becomes like top seven girls in the state and you become a bit of a slave to the, the sponsors. Yeah, totally, <laughs> so, totally. So, yeah, you've got to kind of do social media for all the sponsors and yeah. there's usually about ten sponsors that you've got to kind of keep on side throughout those six to nine months. Holy smokes. Okay, so second time round. Second time went- round. I'm standing on the stage. It's me and one girl again and I I love Liv. We're still friends to this day. Uh-huh. But Livia's a medical student and she okay. never really – she kind of said like, you know, I – I don't really care. I don't really want to stay in the media industry. Um, I did it as a bit of fun. This is going to be awesome. And so when it was down to her and I, just because I knew that she, you know, didn't really want to use it and she didn't have the same I will, you know, I will go to Miss Universe and win this, like, attitude that I had, I just kind of thought, well, it's it's obviously me. Yeah, wow. Um, And so we're standing there holding hands and, and they announce her name and the confetti falls from the sky and I'm like... Like sm- like fake smiling, but like broke, and my heart just breaks. Yeah, because so much. Well, you've just said so much goes into it. You're training for how long? Are you preparing yourself? Yeah, for? you know, like um, yeah, nine months, <gasps> and and you're also you know you're physically training twice yeah. a day to get your body in oh peak performance. God. So you want you have to be a Victoria's Secret model with a really really you know intelligent brain. <laughs> yeah, pressure's it's on. It's a hard nine yeah. months. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like you're in your kind of exams at uni for nine months because wow. you just you just never feel like you have enough information about everything that's going on in the world. So when the confetti fell down, live one, and your little heart broke, but you were smiling and yeah. looking gorgeous. What did you do? Like, how did you handle that? Um, I remember kind of going back to my hotel room with my family and my boyfriend at the time, and kind of just having a big cry. Everyone was actually no. I think we went out for a bit, and I got really drunk, and then we went back, and I had a cry. And it was mm. it wasn't until the next day where I was just my boyfriend and I that I just lost it. I was like. I really thought it was my dream. Like I thought this was – because I had this burning desire in my belly to do it after coming second once, but I also had this strong feeling that I was going to win it Mm. and the intuition was right. It just wasn't that year. Yeah. But I was adamant from that point on that I wasn't doing it again. I was like, Mm. I am not doing this. I'm not going through that again. And my friends and family were all like, Teague's like, that's it. You know, you you don't want to – you don't want to be that girl that comes back for a third time and, you know, come second twice, you know, just be happy with coming second. And, yeah. you, and you do, you know, you get some great jobs off coming second. You still get a lot of media. You're still mm. all over the news the next morning. Mm. Everyone's talking about who came first and second, but I just wasn't, yeah, I wasn't happy with it. I was like, I want, I wanted to win. And I don't even know why I wanted to win so badly because I didn't even anticipate what it would do to my life. I think it was just a challenge I set myself. So is that what made you go back the third time? You were just like, nah, I'm I'm going to give this one more crack. So the third time round, I remember my mum calling me one day and she's like, Teagues, a lot of the girls at Scoop are doing this, doing the competition. And they were girls that I'm kind of always competing, I was always competing with for jobs because mm-hmm. we were with the same agency. So Scoop is a, ma- modeling, a modeling agency, agency yep. yeah, in Sydney. Um, and so they were kind of girls that I was always competing with Mum's kind of like, I just have this feeling that if you don't do it one more time that you're going to live to regret it. 
And I sort of spoke to everyone else around me and everyone else was like, no, please don't take, you'll be so heartbroken. And mm. what if you come six? And what if you come last? And what if you, you know? And I was like, yeah, I was, I was pretty much, no, nah, it was a no. Um, and then something within me the day before the state finals switched and I was like, oh, my God, I, I have to do this. I have to do this for myself. Like I have to let go of fear of judgment. The day before. The day before. So I I'm, I know this and silly because naturally I'm a, a thin person mm-hmm. but I was like not not in shape to be in a bikini at a Miss Universe contest. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been preparing because I wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. And when the owner, Deb, called me, um, she's like, look, if you want to do the New South Wales State Final, you can. You've come second twice in the mm-hmm. national competition. I'm giving you the opportunity I was like, I actually can't. Like I put a bikini on and walked out. And even my mum's like, oh, you're not ready, Teagues. Like you can't do it. Anyway, so I show up to the New South Wales State Final. I'm like, I'm just going to go out there and hope that they can see some potential in this rig. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so I walk out there and I'm literally like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm just not toned. I'm not on the level of these girls that have been training for months with their PT. And I, I got through, obviously, but Deb was like, just, you need to do a bit of, you oh, know, really? for the you national. Got feedback. Yeah, you got feedback. you got feedback on the rig. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a photo that's on Google somewhere. I think it's deep in the archives now, thank God. But like, it's me and the other girls and... Yeah, it wasn't my best moment. <laughs> oh, we've all had those moments. But that good on you for just going. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a crack. Yeah, and and you know now there's this you know movement of embracing shape and you know yeah. who cares if you're not toned and you got cellulite and this and that and so it's kind of cool because now those photos are out there. But I I'm like yeah I did that. There was I read a quote um, from you about the bikini segment being taken out and you're like yeah I felt objectified in with the bikini segment. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it was because I've always modelled, mm-hmm. it wasn't such a big thing for me to be kind of half naked in front of an audience. But mm-hmm. I know for a lot of the girls that had just come off the back of working full-time jobs, oh, you know, yeah. in law or medicine, they were they were like, I feel naked. And yeah. I had to kind of talk them through it. And then once I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe like, I'm just used to this. But mm. I understand why, you know, these women are saying these things. So, totally. Yeah. It was more so that watching the women around me sort of say that. But, yeah, it's it's a lot to be up there, half naked, the brightest light shining yeah. on you and the stage, they're like sitting kind of under you. So. <laughs> and it's like you've had massive dark spray. There is a process. It's like yeah. spray tan. Are you oiling your body up to look like... What's it's, the secret? It's not um oh, it's no. not kind of like a bodybuilding comp. But yeah, we definitely have. We have got our tans, we've got our extensions in. Yeah. Um and we, you know, we're rubbing on the the bronzer last Amazing. minute. Amazing. I love hearing this stuff. We're spraying hairspray on your bikini to like stick it so it doesn't move across your bum. Yeah. So that's a, is that really a hack? Yeah, that's a hack. That's a that's a beauty beauty hack. There's actually a beauty <laughs> hack. I think I'm pretty sure Soph taught me this and said that you taught her um, <laughs> eyebrows with a toothbrush. Yes, Brushing, I did. Is, is that a is that a thing you do? <laughs> okay, so I'm very resourceful, right? Yeah. And I'm also very forgetful. So yeah. I will be able to do anything with any tools. <laughs> like I could be in the bush and be like, "You want me to do a full face of makeup? I got this." <laughs> And so I remember pulling the toothbrush out because Soph was doing a demonstration in one of the challenges and I was like, 
we don't have an eyebrow comb. And I was like, I've got my tooth brush. So good. <laughs> yeah. It would work pretty good. Yeah. Look, it, there's plenty plenty of hacks out there. If you ever want a Tegan Martin beauty hack blogger, it's coming oh, to you Oh, mate, I'm all, I'm all for It'll it. It's the most random thing you've ever seen. So, ha- so how did that how did that feel when you did the okay third time? You're like, okay, effort. Did you have time between the state final and the nationals to kind of like get the PT and kind of like yeah. wow them and all that? Yep. So I did. I hired a PT. I had the whole team around me again. Um, it, but I, I probably wasn't as intense the last time when I won, and I think that's why I won because yeah. I was really relaxed and I kind of had let go of the idea of winning. Yeah. I was like, I actually don't know what's going to happen and yeah. because it's it's fooled me once before. And there were a lot of girls, like I know, um, you know, Monica Radulovic and I think even Rach, and a lot of us had done it more than mm. once. It wasn't the first year that Also people generally. Yeah, yeah okay. because you, you don't, you're not. You're not in the place to win when you first enter okay. a lot of the time. There are some girls that come through when they do win, but I definitely think by not winning and then preparing yourself better because when you win – you're on sunrise the next morning yeah. and then you're in media for the for the entire year. Like if you haven't done yeah. any media training, I can only imagine yeah. how intense it would be. Of course, um, I've never even thought of that. I just see yeah. the pretty person. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, she's like, amazing. Yeah. She's so well-spoken. <laughs> she's like, so I've been sitting there for hours and hours on end with my media trainer going, the sky is pink today because, and I'm like, because it's Valentine's Day and there's love in the air. Like people don't see the shit that goes on yeah. behind the scenes. So yeah. you've had full-blown media training yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, it wasn't, it was with, the, as I said, the president mm-hmm. of Toastmasters and yeah. I've always kind of worked with her. I've even... um spoken to her recently about doing some work around the cup stuff because yeah, I, you know. Congratulations, by the thank way. Thank you, yeah. So Melbourne Cup ambassador, is Me- that the way to yeah, call Yeah, Melbourne Cup carnival ambassador. Yeah, yeah super girl. exciting. I've always been a fan of um, racing, but once again, overprepared. I want to be able to articulate why I love racing mm-hmm. and why I love Flemington and I just want to be well-spoken in, in everything that I do. Yeah. So, yeah, I still, I still work with Janelle. She's just a... A lady in Newcastle that's retired who amazing. is just she's travelled around the world doing acting and presenting, teaching, yeah. and she's just amazing. And and she kind of helps me to evoke emotion in the audience a little bit more than I did when I was just kind of saying what I thought people wanted to hear. It's so nice hearing, you know, we see, you know, we see you on TV or we see your Insta and we see and you you definitely speak like personally on Insta stories, but I mean we see you in like you were the you had a cover thing I think I put on my stories. Were you like Al? Were you on the front page? Oh yes, like, uh, oh, looking thank stunning you for and a bit sharing. of like yeah, like, like yes. Uh, but it's so nice to hear that you like still invest in like having a media trainer totally. or a voice coach or an acting coach. Yeah. You're always working on your craft. Absolutely. And I think that that's very empowering to hear and to know that like someone that like on the outside seemingly has it all together still has things in order to make you that way. Yeah. You're still working on yourself, which I love. Yeah. And what people probably don't know about me is that I was the world's shyest girl at school. I couldn't put my hand up. I used to call in sick for my speeches and I still get, you know, nervous before I get up on stage or before I have a microphone in my hand. But it's something that I've taught myself yeah, to cope with and to, to to love in a way. Um, so yeah, it can be learned. So that's the, that's the best thing about anything. And I think the most scary things are often the things that kind of like end up giving you a gift. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh goodness, there's so much. To, I'm <laughs> like, know. oh my god, I could keep right out of time. Quickly on the just following the Miss Universe stuff and uh, yeah. 
so kind of like I just quickly want to touch on like your health and body. Like yes. I know there's been a little bit of a journey there. Yes. Do you want to share a bit about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was actually at Miss Universe that I noticed that my energy was really declining. Um, I'd noticed it a little bit up until, up until that point. But when I went to Miss Universe, I think my nervous system just crashed. Mm. Um, we were there for almost a month. We were staying at Trump's um, resort in Doral, Miami. And Did he was there. Yeah, there's photos all over the internet of me. I saw him probably, you know, three two weeks like was each he, what day was he like? I spoke to him a few times yeah he was he was really lovely yeah. um and he was really respectful to every single person in the room which is something I noticed mm. um not sure how I feel about having photos of him that I'll never be able to get rid of on the internet no, now yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but it, it's nice to hear this like I've got this self-help book at home that I bought years and years and years ago and it's his book oh and wow because he used to write self-help books because oh. he was obviously a financial guru and there like and it's like to this day one of the coolest and books that you've ever read I remember oh it was like the first time my boyfriend came over he's like what is that <laughs> What is that Donald Trump's? Donald I've Trump's got a few, Donald. I've got a few. Like I think I've got three and I'm like, they were the best self-help She also has books. a Donald Trump portrait hanging on her bedroom wall. No, no, seriously, I was a fan and I went to Trump Tower in New York and I've got a Trump watch. I'm not joking. I'm, next time I see you, I'm going to see Actually, when I go home, I'm going to send you a photo of I've got a Trump watch. Oh, my God. I've still got it. This is years oh ago. Like this would have been when I'm 34. This he hasn't been... even like come anywhere near presidency yet. She's just had a I fetish for the Trump. But honestly, I found the book so like he was like the harder that you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, like, I, I don't was... think he's lucky. I think he's he creates everything that happens. Totally. Yeah. And this yeah. is like totally aside from politics right now. This is just like a mogul. Yeah. That is well, just absolutely. Like... And and Miss Universe, the Miss Universe yeah. organization is highly profitable, and yeah. it is you know one of the. It, the actual competition itself is broadcast to over 2 billion people. Wow. So it's the second most, or it was when I did it, the second most watched event after the World Cup. Wow. So that's why we put so much pressure on ourselves. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and people kind of think, oh, my God, these girls, like why do they take this so seriously? Well, that's why. Because if you work out on that stage that night and – you know, say something silly about medicinal marijuana or about, you know, global warming There's or about what's eyes. happening in the world, you can completely destroy your yeah. career. And there is, you know, that meme that's gone round about that poor girl in Carolina. Oh, I don't, what, I can't what was remember the where meme? She was from. What did she say? I don't know what the meme. She she was she's basically, you know, known as the pageant's like embarrassing moment. Oh. Um and she was young. She was in Miss Teens, but they don't say that in the caption when they when everyone posts yeah. it. She was asked about. She was asked why most Americans can't locate their country on a world map. She was like, "I think that it's because most people don't have maps, and in places such as Iraq, such as uh, such as um, South Africa." And she started like just. It was like oh, it was like wow. she was so nervous and that just she just concocted this sentence it. of like. Things that just never would go together in a sentence. Yes, nice American accent there. (laughs) Have we been doing training? I have actually. I've done a little bit of accent training. Oh, amazing. It's not not so great anymore. No, that was perfect. Um, Okay, Okay, we're perfect. Let's go. No, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, the, the. Botto, health, uh, so you're feeling exhausted. You yep. noticed your energy levels were Yes, dropping. dropping. So at Miss Universe I was having, you know, I started having a lot of coffees and I had my – We love coffee, by the way. Scott yeah, looks snacks and my coffee. coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have seven a day anymore. Um, yeah, I was having a lot of coffee. We were running on like three hours sleep mm-hmm. um, and showing up to like restaurant appearances, nightclub appearances, mm. like we were being, you know – 
were being used yeah. up that month. Like mm-hmm. they wanted us everywhere and we were exhausted. But I think that's when my nervous system went into a full crash mm. and I came back from Miss Universe just completely and utterly exhausted. And I remember saying to my manager who owned the Australian organisation, I can't, I can't do these jobs. Like I need to sleep. Mm. And I would sleep 17 hours straight and wake oh, up wow. and be like, I can't get out of bed. Oh, wow. And I called her one day and I said, I just can't do this anymore. I, I, I just can't. And she said, look, it's okay. She actually had had chronic fatigue in her early 20s. Ah, so she knew. Um, and a lot of people do because it's a really high pressure. It's that age where you've really put a lot of pressure on yourself yeah. to, to kind of finish uni or to, you know, mm. to succeed and to figure out who you are. And um, she said to me, it's okay. We're just going to do the jobs that you have to do in your contract. Yeah. So, you know, it might be a two-hour appearance here, a two-hour appearance there. I kind of was saying no to a lot of media opportunities, you know, which would have been great to capitalise on. I I feel like I could have really hustled that year. But when your health does that, though, especially so it was chronic fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I saw nine doctors roughly and none of them could tell me what was wrong with me. So I was basically told it was all in my head and prescribed antidepressants. That was on like my ninth visit where they were like, okay, there's nothing wrong with your bloods except for the fact that you've got um, antibodies to um, the Epstein-Barr virus. So there's, you know, in, you know, conventional medicine, we say that that doesn't mean anything. But a naturopath will say high link. (laughs) Yeah, so I... um, I got my diagnosis and they basically said, we think it might be depression and anxiety and they gave me pills and I was sent home. And so I was sent home with this pill packet knowing within myself that there was some sort of invader in my body. Yeah. There was something going on. There was a virus because I'm, you know, I'm such a strong person. Yeah. I was like, this isn't depression. You're glowing here like, today. Yeah, I just, I just knew. I was like, it's not depression. It's, it's. I'm depressed. I, I'm. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I was depressed because I couldn't get out of yeah. bed and 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 fulfill my responsibilities yeah. and live my life. So I was depressed as a result of the fatigue, not fatigued as a result of the depression. Correct. And I kept telling the doctor that. Anyway, I eventually was put on to this amazing doctor, Daniel Hamiri in Double Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, who I've seen, you know, some really famous people in there. Like he's the, the man the guy. In, in medicine and he's an integrative doctor slash conventional doctor, but he definitely tries to be as kind of natural as possible. He looked at my blood tests and he's like, oh, yeah, you've got active glandular right now. You're trying to live with glandular. Like you're trying to do oh, normal wow. things and, and be this, you know, icon and role model and whatever with glandular in your system. And I was like, oh, my God. That probably would have felt nice finally getting a diagnosis, oh, and, it, and this was after, like, three years. Yeah, like, it wasn't wow. straight away. I, I spent. I went to naturopaths and naturopaths would kind of, they would, the symptoms would improve, but uh, I was still sleeping 13 hours mm. a night, um, which was meant that I could get through some sort of a day, but it's still a lot of sleep. Yeah. Far out. So, okay, yeah. so that would have been a huge healing. So you would have got over that really slowly, I imagine. Yeah, so, I mean, look, there's. I still don't really know what I've had or, you know, I'm still not a high person. Yeah, stays, yeah, it stays stagnant um, in your spinal cord, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it kind of rears its head every time you get stressed or run yes. down. So big things for me now. Travel as do well. Do not get stressed yeah. and do not stress about being late at the traffic lights. Like you, yeah. I just can't. I yeah. have to let things go. It. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when I had that diagnosis from Daniel Humiri, um, 
yeah, changed my life. I was like, okay, it's not all in my head. We've got something to work with now. Yeah. I know I've got the Epstein-Barr glandular fever virus in my body. Mm-hmm. Let's try and cleanse it out. So, so you just went full health bunny, health, full health, health bunny. Yeah. yeah, no, you know, no alcohol. My friends, I lost a lot of friends. Well, not I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of friends for a period of time. So, my best friends, I felt thought that it was because of my fame and profile that I was pulling away from doing anything. Oh, that's a dingo. Anyone that does thinks that. I know, but I was trying to pretend it was that because I was embarrassed that I was sick. Oh, really? yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is where it comes to. Something deeper yeah. where we you you texted me uh, yesterday a few failures and then you said ah don't let me forget <laughs> about me being a people pleaser and yes. being afraid of judgment mm, so they're mm. pretty big topics yeah and I and I think you've kind of almost started to open, open that, that. Yeah. yeah I think a lot of people that fall ill with you know chronic fatigue cancer any of these things. Yeah. And, you know, I'm no doctor. I'm just going to clarify that. Um, (laughs) I think they uh, often can have that high achiever, um, people pleasing, Mm -hmm. you know, fear of judgment personality Mm -hmm. within them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that I met in the waiting rooms, you know, we would discuss our personality types and we were so Go get us. Yeah. 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 And people that were people pleasers that were always trying to fix everyone else. Um, and I didn't really understand how important it was to disconnect from trying to fix my loved one's stuff until I was in the jungle. Yeah. Um, so we all, I'm a celebrity. I'm a celebrity. Yep, get me out of here. That was, uh, I don't even know what year that was. I'm lost. I've got. I've got, I've, I've made <laughs> notes. Let me find. A celebrity apprentice was 2015. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. 2017. 17. Oh my gosh. It was not. According to Google. Yeah. I mean, could be wrong. <laughs> Wikipedia is a little bit. How are you going? <laughs> and then I've got in capital letters, she's a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> And so is lol. That's why we get along so well. Um, So, yeah, I was in the jungle. We had a psychologist in there Mm -hmm. and everyone was kind of, well, not everyone, but a lot of people were using that psychologist a lot because we were on camera 24-7 and anything that we wanted to get out was going to be, you know, broadcast to the whole country. Yeah. Um, If we wanted to go and speak to the psychologist outside of the camp, we could do that. And I was trying to be I the strong one. I didn't know they do that. I didn't, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, it's really hard to explain how much goes on in oh. your head when you're sitting around for 24 hours a day. You're probably sleeping for seven of that with a few naps thrown in if you can get a nap in. There's a lot of time to think and dissect every part of your entire life up to that date. <laughs> Is it, like, are the challenges as horrible as they look? Oh, they're, yeah. Ten times worse. People think that we're like getting fed like muesli bars and stuff and going back to a hotel and like everything you see, it's ten times worse. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard but also the best experience of my life. Because I've seen – I think there was one season, I don't know which one, but is it Laura Dundavit? Yes. She yeah. was like, get me out she of here. She was like, I hate – yeah, she didn't leave. I think she got voted out because she wasn't doing the challenge. Yeah. And I don't blame her. Like they wanted her to swim around in a an entire pool of elephant poo and get some stars out. And she's just like, you know what, I'm not going to be that Miss Universe pageant chick that float, like swims around in poo. Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand. <laughs> I could have done, I'm fine with poo. It's more like scorpions and spiders oh, okay. and shit. I, I did them. the scorpions. I don't know if you saw that on my Instagram. <gasps> if you go down, there's this challenge where we had to make a puzzle in a box of scorpions and it was me versus Nazim, the comedian. Oh. And, um, yeah, they were, they were clawing and scratching and I just, I don't know, I'm just a bit of a psycho when it comes to competitive. I'm so competitive. Did you win that one? Yeah. It sounds like you, I was yeah. like, she won that no, one. No, but anything, like I just, 
I'm so competitive to the point it's sometimes detrimental to me. Scorpions, though, mate. So that obviously weren't poisonous ones. No, no, they but can't. they were definitely pincing and scratching and, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the other thing I did, so I was, getting called, I was getting called Miss Pooniverse because I did the poo challenge. Oh, I I was, I'd totally do a poo challenge. I was no in this tank and they just kept dumping elephant poo on me. Um, it, like there was no point to the challenge apart from just like completely destroying my ego in front of the whole country. <laughs> I saw the interview you did right after you got out and it was, and they were like, Tegan, how are you going with all the, oh, they asked you about like the gossip in the camp. It sounded like people were getting pissed off at people stealing yeah. food and over, yeah. No, I stole someone's socks. It became the sock gate. It was very dramatic. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's like a heightened reality, really. Yeah, well, because there's nothing to do. So you, it's like, imagine being locked in, you know, a small lounge room with 10 people that you don't, you know, there's always a few people that you have a lot in common with. Like I was really close to Nat Bass and Lisa Curry yeah. and Kira. Um, but the rest of us, like, we're from completely different worlds. Yeah. Like we had Tom Arnold in there. Like he's name dropping 24-7. That's all he did was name drop. And you'd sit there being like, yep, yep, when can I get away from you? Oh, wait, I can't get away from you. You're oh, next to my bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, And even on Celeb Apprentice, I yeah. imagine you'd feel pretty quick if some – because the reality is as cool as media is mm. in this world is, mm. it – attracts a lot of dingoes or people that want to be famous for the sake of being famous. I love that you call them dingoes. Do you know what I mean though? Yeah. Like, And so you can feel pretty quick. You can feel it in an event, mate. Like yeah. I'll be like, oh, God, I'm going to smile at you but slowly walk away but from people But the difference that with are- this was that these were people that had stories and were actual celebrities. Now every influencer who's bought 50K fake followers yeah. thinks like it's so bad in the real world. Yeah. It's like... What I'm have so you, glad what to have hit you on done that. to have followers? What have you done to, you know, yeah. I don't know, like it just triggers me a little Do bit because I've worked fake so followers, hard people. to build a following. Yeah. yeah, same, same. And we were just saying before this went on, I was like, did you use lose followers like six months ago? Because <laughs> I did and you're like, it's okay, yes, it's normal to stay, to like yeah. stay now. I was saying to Lol, like if you're maintaining your followers now because people aren't clicking follow anymore, people are actually just doing clean outs. Yeah. If you're maintaining your following, you're doing well. Yeah. yeah. That's pr- that, And that's, thank you, that's inspiring. <laughs> Like I lost 600 the other day and I was like, what have I done? And it was just obviously an Instagram clean yeah. out because everyone has a certain follow, portion of fake followers because of all these bots and stuff, companies yeah. that are just making thousands and thousands of fake followers and then Instagram comes through and cleans them out every now and then. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the message is because I get asked a lot about social media as well, just be real, be organic, don't buy anything fake and, no. and in and the long run that will keep you in good stead. Totally. If you're buying a fake following, you know, these people aren't going to buy from you. The, if you promote a product for a client, they're not going to buy from the client, mm. which means you're never going to work with the client again. Yeah. There's actually no point yeah. apart from, you know, fueling ego. your ego, which is dangerous. Like if, yeah. if you need to buy 20K fake followers just for your ego, you need to do some work. Call it out, girl. (laughs) I love it. Okay, I want to quickly hit on you have an interesting life in that you do all these great things, Mm. your whole whole kind of like value system is very positive, very empowering, very real, very honest. Like you'll sit and be like, hey, guys, blah, 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 blah. Like you've got this really – bubbly, happy, really lovely personality, yet the media somehow manages to find headlines. Like (laughs) last week you were wearing this incredible like 
rose gold, coppery kind of gown, like be- beautiful, beautiful You may as well tell them to Google this story. Google it. Laugh. What should they Google? Just Tegan Martin Dalliams. I think it's the first one that comes up because, you know, there was three amazing, no, there was like 12 amazing articles, but that one's the one that's surfaced to the top, top. because no one cares about the positive articles. So they? the story was literally that you had those see-through shoes on, right? Yeah, so I had see-through perspex pointed shoes yes. on. And I know these shoes sweat. Like, have you ever worn them? Yes, they do. Everyone. Everyone. And so I've... I've been at the races before and four girls have all put our foot out and we've all had like these, you can see like that your foot starts to just, it's not sweat, it's like just like. Condensation. Condensation, yeah. yeah. And um, I just thought I'd be fine because it's such a short night yeah. and I'll be sitting under the table and yeah. no one will notice before you know it. But um, yeah, so I've, I've obviously got a bit of condensation on the red carpet and the, the heading, I kind of want to get it up. Oh, get so it funny. up. It's, it's like so Tegan Martin hits the red carpet with painfully squished toes she, and they were talking about it being, you know, she usually does well on the carpet but this is definitely one of yeah. her fashion nose i'm just gonna you know what you should google guys tegan martin squished toes yeah but that's what i mean like how and it's so it is fashion fail they've called it so this is this is why i brought it up with lols yesterday i'm like we should we should tell them yeah. this because it's it's a failure like I, i'm apparently i've i've failed and it's just so but ridiculous the best thing is you're here having a laugh about it but i mean that's just one of like I'm sure you could. Th- this is what happened last week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's showing me the photo of these. Like they've zoomed actually, in on my toes. But they're actually quite gorgeous shoes. And the, the worst of this whole thing is they've got ads for bunions. <laughs> no, that I missed. I'm like see, now they've told laugh. everyone I've got bunions. But you can laugh about it, and that's I amazing. Can, yeah. But like, how how do you handle when there is negative press? Like. You know that sometimes there'll be press about a relationship breaking yeah. up, or there'll be press about um, things doing wrong thing. Like, uh, it, there's so many articles out there that are bad, but there's also way more good ones. And I yeah. really try and focus on that because I know within myself that I'm a good person. And if the people within my small network um, tell me I'm, I've done something wrong or that it's a disaster, I'll I'll take it on. Take it on. Yeah. If anyone else outside of that says anything, I just I just don't. I just have to let it go because if I t- was to take on every bit of criticism that was out there, I wouldn't get out of bed. To- yep, big time. Do, do you think it's an Australian thing, like the whole tall poppy? I don't know because, yeah, people seem to be able to talk themselves up and say they're a hero in America and everyone's like, yeah, you're a hero. Yeah. And here. There's that the amazing moment. accent yeah. again. Well done. <laughs> I'm going to find out where you did your I've accent class. I've <laughs> got a really good Indian one too. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I won't go there. <laughs> I'm just good at accents. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think it makes stories funnier and I like to be quite. Can you do a pommy act like British? Yeah, yeah. Go, go on, on, give us a little one. Oh, God, hold on. I need to get in the zone. This um, is so much fun now. This has changed like Tegan Munn accent. I can't, I can't. You need to give me a sentence. Um, I don't know. Like I had painfully squished toes and then I got so much criticism for it. Amazing. <laughs> yes. I didn't want to say anything because I wanted you to just keep going. That's too natural. Um, back to that, I my first article that was mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, my God, I feel like the whole country's watching yeah. me was the week after I won. I was down. They'd set me up. I was down on the Bondi ice skating rink. On mm-hmm. the, It was recorded as the windiest day of the year and they – 
I rocked up with um, a skirt on and they told me they were bringing me pants to, for this shoot and they didn't bring the pants. So I had to shoot on the ice skating rink windiest day of the year in my mini skirt and my skirt blew up and my entire bum with my G-string was headlines across the world. Not only in Australia, I had a friend saying, my friend in Czech Republic just sent me a photo of your your bum. Oh, no. Yeah, and I was mortified. Like I'd never been papped before. I didn't know what a pap How was. How old were you? I think I was 21 when I was. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Yeah. so it was really hard for me. And I've, you know, I've struggled and it's been a journey of trying to figure out how to navigate this industry and it was really hard when I was younger and that's why I think the girls that win the competition when they're a little bit older, they've already come into themselves and they're really tough. Yeah. They probably do better. But in in saying that, I also have had more time to capitalise on on winning and, and doing things with it. So pros and cons to winning earlier or later, but I did win when I was quite young yeah. and, yeah, trying to adjust to having a profile from not from sweeping floors as a hairdresser. Like, yeah. That's crazy. That was your butt like all over the world though. Yeah. Like, that's neck level. It that's is. That's different to like squishy toes. Yeah, like exactly. To- no, I, was, I, felt, I felt really exposed. I was like, oh, my gosh, is when, this my life now? When you um, – when you – Message me, you've done the news headlines and you've said to me, like, five relationships, you bomb everywhere. And I, I yeah. just didn't realise. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, they're just like, I didn't I didn't quite realise. And, and like, yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, the fact that it had travelled around the world and it was like Miss Universe Australia has an accident on the ice. I'm like, hold on a second. I, I was supposed to be given pants. I wore a G-string because I was supposed to be skating in pants. You don't skate in the windiest on the windiest day of the year no, in a mini skirt. That's not but fair. it's not just like a little bit of a oh, it's like my entire oh. I'm bending down and it's my entire derriere that's they called up. it. Is that what they call really? it? Derriere? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to say it, but apparently that's that's a bum. That's now that we're on to the topic of paps and no one's talked about it on this podcast oh, about cool. paps or anything. Is there anything that's been like Oh, yeah, there's another moment. Yeah, go for it. What was your question? Though? But like with pap where you're just like getting papped or where you're just like how the, did yeah. that just happen? So um, I won't mention any names but one of my partners and I broke up. One of my, I sound like I've had millions of boyfriends. <laughs> I, I, had, I was going through a breakup and I was driving out to Botany Bay in mm-hmm. Sydney. I think I was like dropping off the keys or something. Like it was, it was towards the very end yeah. of the breakup. And no one knew that we were breaking up. And I think I was going through one of those moments where you're going through a breakup where you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to break up. I want to be with you. Like, yeah, you know, those yeah. I'm going to do the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily me that broke up with him or anything, but I was just having a moment and I wanted to be close to him. And I was out giving the key back but also like, like we were, I was like, can we just hug? Can I hold you? Like I'm not coping yeah. kind of thing. And they'd followed me from an event on a on a little scooter out to Botany Bay, like out near his work. he He worked out in the middle of nowhere. And we were having a bit of a moment and he'd kind of like pulled my, um, pulled my jumpsuit up and my whole bum was out again. And I remember being there with him being so in the moment because it was, I was so heartbroken at the time. Mm. And this guy, I just remember hearing this, And I turned around and he was so far away with obviously the longest lens ever and he got me. It was the second bum moment. I've had a few. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard for me because I was like, you know, I don't, I didn't care about the fact that someone had saw the corner of my cheek, cheeky bum. That's fine. I'm a model. I've been in much less than that. What I cared about was that in that really intimate 
personal, you know, personal, really, really hard vulnerable. moment. Yeah. That person had followed me out into the depths of, you know, sight, like way out of Sydney to, yeah, to expose that moment. What did your ex-partner at the time do? I mean, he was coming towards the end of the relationship, so yeah. he's probably like later. Yeah, um, yeah. No, no, he was really good. Uh, he's always he always kind of supported me. He he was really great with yeah knowing the industry and knowing that there were some days that I'd come home and be like, oh babe, this has happened today. Yeah, um, and that's the thing about the industry, and that's what I've struggled with the most because I am. I'm really just a like a happy-go-lucky yeah, tomboy from are. Newcastle. Yeah, you are. You are. But like sometimes I used to coach netball. I've done yeah, my research. I know. <laughs> like I, I'm really not like I, I wasn't like one of those people that was like born to be in the limelight. Yeah. You know, like I I could have easily led a very normal life and been very happy. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you're having a really nice day and then you yeah. get like a message and you're like someone's like, "Have you seen this?" And you're like, "Uh huh." But yeah, I really unless it's something really nasty. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, I try not to let Such it affect me. I'm not going to say it doesn't affect me because you know it does affect you, right? Yeah, like you we can feel say it. that. You do feel it. You do feel it. And it's like how do these people sleep at night? But I think as well, and this is where I think you're already doing this, but it's using it to then be like actually I'm going to turn this into yeah. making me stronger. And that's what I kind of want to get to. I'm so glad that we're going to have a, a sec to get to this mm. is now that you have had these kind of like little, I wouldn't even call them bumps in the road mm. or even failings, just like these moments of feeling shit yeah. basically, which is lessons. part of life, lessons. Yeah. What's like the ultimate, and I didn't say this was going to be in the podcast, but what's like the ultimate for you? Like where are you in two years from now? Where mm. are you? Like where, Like, if nothing else mattered right now, there mm. weren't contracts in place, mm. forget that like specific, but like wh- what would you be doing? Oh, gosh. I know. Such a big one. I feel like people are so, okay, so I want to touch on this because I feel like people are so sure of their, like, life mission sometimes that it it really intimidates me. Um, I've always been someone where opportunities have popped up and I kind of haven't wanted, I haven't known that I wanted it and then it's popped up and I've been like, I really want this. Mm. Like, I'm so glad this has come to me. And I think as long as I stay as in tune with my intuition as possible, Mm. And let that kind of be my compass, I'll find it, but I actually don't know what it is. And I said to my friend the other day, we're having a conversation about trying to figure out what we what's our mission and what we want to, you know, make our mission so that we can live in alignment with that. And Mm. I said to her, I'm actually so sick of like there being this kind of self-development movement of everyone having to know their life mission. Yeah. And I actually just want to break my life down into mini projects. And so think of it as like, this is my next project and this is my current this is my current mission statement. This is what I want yeah. at the moment. But that doesn't mean that's what I'm going to want in two or three years' time. I like that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's definitely things like I'd love to have my own show, yeah. um, particularly in the health or wellness industry or something around, you know, building confidence for young women. I think there's definitely some passion and fire yeah. within me to make a difference um, and teach young girls to look after their body from a young age because I was binge, drink, binge drinking, partying, doing all the wrong things and that definitely has kind of spiralled into my fatigue and I don't want other girls to have to, you know, wind up with chronic fatigue when they're trying to figure out who they are because it's taken me years to overcome it and it it's really freaking hard and I don't know that everyone would have played detective for six years like I did and figured it out. Like Totally, people, totally. You know, I know people would have just been like, this is too hard. I, you've, you've touched on one other thing that I'm like, yes, I want to go there. 
mini projects I love, first yes. of all. Okay, I think that's good. amazing. I'm, I think I'm going to be like, this is my mini project yes, yeah. for the next year or whatever. I love that. Yeah, good. Because I thought I was like, oh, I'm just going to be a bit left here and say that you don't need to know your life mission at 27 no, years old. No, and I think it, like you said, it's gonna, there is ebbs and flows. It is going to change. Mm. And, and I think the thing that you're saying as well, you're open. You're yeah. very open to yes, what comes yes. and you're almost in this state of, in psychology, they call yes, it flow. Yes, And I do, you know, dabble in radio, dabble in television, dabble in public speaking, emceeing events, modelling, you know, um, social media, PR. Like I I don't know. I love, I love the diversity. Yeah, That's what I love. Yeah. I love not waking up. And just thinking, this is my day again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You're a little free spirit. I am, yeah. Which I love. Yeah. You did just touch on, though, um, binge drinking yes. and not looking after your body when you were a bit younger. Did Were you a dieter? Or? Oh, yeah. So in um, Paris, they were measuring me every <gasps> couple of days. So my so before I went to Paris, the agency said to me, you can't come unless you get your hips down. They're too, oh, yeah. And I was you've got like, to be tiny, tiny, tiny. Tiny. European market's very different to mm-hmm. here. Um, I was working quite well here, but yeah, no, they they were like, just don't come if you can't get your hips down. And so my mum, poor mum, like she could see this little girl that just wanted this so badly that mm. she did. She helped me. She measured me. She's like, oh, Teagues, you're getting there kind of thing. Mm. And it was it was very healthy in a way. She was helping me eat really healthy and she was making sure I was eating regularly, like mm-hmm. salads and healthy things. Mm-hmm. But when I left mum's guidance and was over in Paris and I was going in and they were making me strip down naked in front of a table of bookers and measure me, it became very unhealthy. Yeah. There was, you know, first of all, it started off with eating less than it started with running for, you know, an hour and a half a day and eating less than it. Then it became a point where I was like bulimic because oh. I just couldn't get my measurements down. And fortunately, it stopped after I came home because the commercial market here is so, you know, like we love a bit of curves and we yeah. love health. Know, health. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been dieting throughout my Australian time as a model, but then, you know, extreme dieting and a dangerous period in Europe. How little did you have to get? I can't remember what the measurements were, but I've always been quite lanky and little. I don't really put on weight anywhere, but my hips, my like love handle area, that's kind of my, and so I can look quite funny because I can be putting on weight and it can just be like I'm really, really skinny and then it just goes out where the love But that's also goes. where women are like natural, totally. natural healthy woman. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's really sad that I did that to myself and that's where my passion and desire comes um, in speaking to young women about yeah. like please girls, don't binge drink, don't take drugs, don't do these things that could, you know, destroy your immune system and set you up for a period of like you know, no no social life, mm. not being able to continue with your career goals, not being able to finish your degree. Like mm. it, they say that chronic fatigue can hit you in different stages and the stage that it hits you in like the late teens, early 20s can be one of the Super most. detrimental. Yeah, because you haven't figured yourself out no. yet. Yeah. It's and, like and it's when right so, in the middle of where you're supposed to be and like, And when a doctor's bam. like, you've actually just got mental health problems, yeah. like <laughs> take some antidepressants, that's not the best way to probably unpack or process no. or hand or treat. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you start thinking, well, maybe it is in my head. Like, yeah. You know, and then you... it would be having an effect on your mental health anyway, which you touched totally. on. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. I could talk to you oh, all no, day I long. Told you, I get very off topic. I love, um, thank you for going deep and thank yeah. you for talking about and sharing the eating stuff too. Cause mm. I know. I haven't talked about as much as a lot yeah. of girls in this industry do mm. because I'm like, 
I don't know. It's a it's a it's a hard one, isn't it? It's hard as well when when you say you're you're too kind of like Achilles heels of judgment and people pleasing. Yeah, I can see how you would get to Paris and be like, yes, okay, I want to do what you need of yes. me, yeah. and I don't want you to judge me poorly because I'm already looking validation from you guys, and I want to do a really good job because I'm an A type personality. So I can understand looking at it from the outside and probably looking back with perspective, going, yeah. oh yeah, but if they're your two kind of Achilles heels you're naturally going to go down that path. Totally. Like I've got a history of eating disorders and I get afraid of judgment and had, had grew up with very low self-worth. Mm. And so it was a, it's mm. almost like the concoction and the recipe for yeah. having eating disorder and, you know, needing to control mm. certain. And I actually just watched an interview when this – this when this podcast comes out, this movie probably won't be like brand spanking new, but I saw The Joker on the weekend. Okay, yeah. So you know the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wacken Phoenix, and he had to strip down heaps of weight. Uh. And and he, I watched the interview, and they said, you know, um, was it really hard? And he said, for about a week, it was really hard. And he said, and then it becomes so empowering. Wow. He goes, it's it's like something switches in your mind because you're taking control, and he mm. goes, like it's a controlling thing. And I'm like. Far out, it's so much more than just eating broccoli, and you know it, it becomes this kind yeah, of because like. Because so many things in your life are out of your control, yeah. and when you realise that this is something that you can, and you start looking at yourself in the mirror and going, "I'm doing this," like yeah. this is, I'm capable of changing this. It's it's more, it's more than just looking good, isn't it? It's total mind game. So yeah. I, I really appreciate you opening up about that and making a safe space for young women to feel like, you know. Yeah, I just want them to know how dangerous it can be to have, you know, a period of, you know, being bulimic or, you know, binge drinking or it, it, it really can be too much for your your little teenage body yeah, to handle. Totally. Um, and I'll finish on this analogy because it really helped me. But my doctor that I ended up really loving um, said to me, Think of your body as a bucket and we might have a little bit of stress from being late to work, a little bit of stress from our mum yelling at us. We might have a little bit of alcohol from the weekend. Then we have, you know, some Maccas that we have when we're hungover and then we have our friend, you know, talking shit about us and and we're throwing it in and it gets to the point where the bucket overflows and that's where the disease and the illness comes Mm. in. So if you're kind of just living a relatively healthy healthy lifestyle and going, I'm going to minimise as much as I can of this, so Mm. I'm going to choose this healthy meal over Macca's today or I'm going to choose to go and have a movie night with my girlfriend instead of going out and binge drinking. I'm going to choose not to be stressed about the fact that I'm late and just understand that's just life and you're kind of of bringing things out of the bucket and not adding things in. You know, that's how I think of my health now is just every moment that I can, I choose the better option because I, I know that. that my bucket, I don't want my bucket to overflow. No, I love it. The bucket analogy. Yeah. You should write that in a book, mate. Write love that analogy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, you are love. such a sweet human being and I'm so excited. Just keep watching your star, keep rising and shining. It's so nice to watch you um, succeed. I effing love it. Oh, thanks, Loz. I love watching your journey too. Oh, thanks, beauty. <laughs> Bye. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Mm-hmm.